0: Turn me very quickly. I'm going to read one scripture tonight, Luke 8, Luke 8 and 14, Luke 8 and 14. To all of our guests that are here tonight, we're so thankful to have you at Truth Chapel. Welcome home and we love you already. Thank you for being at Bible Study. Bible Study is kind of a a laid back environment. You know, we sing, we worship the Lord and we get right into the word of God. And tonight is um, part three, part three of a series that I've been teaching for the last several weeks and I will kind of go back and summarize but I want to read one scripture because I want you to hear uh, exactly what the word is saying in this moment Luke 8 and 14. Luke 8 is where Luke is writing about Jesus telling the story of the sower and like the word of God is that seed that the sower went and he sowed and some fell on different kinds of ground. And this is the thorny ground. He says, and that which fell upon thorns are they which when they have heard go forth and are choked with cares and riches and pleasures of this life and bring no fruit to perfection. So I just there's a few things I want to point out here. Cares, Somebody say cares. Care. Riches. Pleasures. And there's one more word, there's one more phrase here no fruit to perfection. There was fruit, but there was no fruit to perfection. Amen. Let's pray together. God, we thank you for your word tonight. I ask you that you would use it, speak to us through it, mature us and grow us in your word. I speak it in your name, in Jesus' name. And the church said, Amen. And you may be seated. This lesson, uh, this lesson series has been about placement, placement, and everything in the scripture has a place. I began this series by talking about Genesis and how in the book of Genesis, when God was creating the world as we know it, everything that he did was very strategic. It was placement. Everything had its place. Everything had its kind Everything had its spot. It was, it was strategic. And my point there was that God is a God of placement. Everything is right where it should have been. Only when man fell and sin entered into the picture did things get out of place. Before then, everything was exactly where and how it should have been. But when sin entered the picture sin caused there to be a displacement in our world. And sin is still causing displacement in our lives today. And I talked about the game of chess, which is one of the first games that I learned how to play. My father is a avid chess player. And so I I love to play the game of chess. I have not beaten my father very often and we love to play But the game of chess is strategic and every piece on the chessboard has its place. And each piece can do only certain things. Some pieces can move one way and other pieces can move another way, but everything has its place. And I talked a little bit about that game of chess and how uh, a good player will know four or five moves ahead of time or they can look and they can see every possible move. And make an assessment of what to do on each move if that move is made. And it's all about putting the pieces in the right place. And I talked about giving pieces power that they do not have. We have made pawns into bishops. We have made pawns into queens and kings. We have stuff out of place in our life. We have moved the board around in such a way that we are in control and we do not follow the rules. However, when it comes to God, he said, my word is line upon line and precept upon precept here a little and there a little. We cannot move the word of God. I made this comment in lesson one that we we are the pieces on the board, but God is not a piece. God is not something to be moved around left to right. It is not something to be brought in or brought out on a whim or an emotional moment. But God is the board. He does not change. He said, I am the same yesterday, today, and forever. And we cannot change the parameters or borders of who and what God is. We have to play within the system. Now, me and you, we don't like that concept because we are, our culture is live how you want to live, play how you want to play, act how you want to act, be who you want to be. And if it feels good to you, then it must be right in your world. And so when we say borders and parameters and rules and regulations, and and I don't believe that God is a God of rules and regulations. However, he has some things in his economy that cannot be changed sin is going to be sin today and tomorrow and a million years from now the things that God hated God hates and the things that God loved God loves the things that God was okay with he is still okay with and the things that he was not okay with he is still not okay with he didn't change he didn't have a, 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 a meeting. He didn't call a Supreme Court meeting and change some rules. And now God's okay with murder. I know in the in, in on those Ten Commandments, He said, "Thou shalt not kill," and He said it there. But He didn't. He He hasn't somehow, some way, over the last two thousand, three thousand, seven thousand, eight thousand, six thousand years, decide. You know what? I've changed my thought about this. And now it's okay. He is never changing. He is always the same. It is us. We are the ones that have changed. We are the ones that have given pawns the abilities of queens. We have taken rooks and we have given them the abilities of bishops. We have taken pieces on the board that are only allowed to move in a certain way, and we have moved them incorrectly. And we, not God, we are out of sync. We are out of place. And when you have things out of place, you have no balance. And I hear people all the time say, I'm, I'm having a hard time balancing this and balancing that and I'm I wear many hats and, and 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 I'm a I'm a father and I'm a teacher and I'm a brother and I and, and, and I run a company and I do this and, I, and we have all these different responsibilities and we're trying to balance all of that. However, God is not an item that we can balance. God is not an apple in the juggling act. God is not a plate where, you know, you ever seen the guy balancing all the plates? He's got, you know, plates on his feet and his nose and he's balancing God is not one of those plates. To be balanced. God is what balances us. God is at the center of everything. And the problem is we got God over here to the corner so everything else is off. Placement. And then last week I began um, the, the series of talking about different ways, different systems that we put into our life. Different abilities. Brother Gary, will you put that first one up there for me again? I want to bring these points out. The first one was acquisition. We put things in the place of getting. How does it benefit me? What can I get out of this? Success and love and relationship and, and finances and everything that we can imagine in our life that has a place. Where is that place? Where have we put those things? We have put things into... A place of acquisition. What? How does this benefit me? And uh, the, the the place of acquisition. There are things in our life that we need to have in this place, but everything doesn't go here. If I am trading, if I am trading my my skills and my abilities, and I am trading my my talents for. Money, I understand that that is in a place of acquisition. I, my talents and my skills, and I'm, I'm doing this so I can make money to feed my family, pay, pay my bills. That, that is a place of acquisition. However, we cannot put other things in the place of acquisition. You cannot put your marriage in the place of acquisition. What do I get out of this? Or you will have a very selfish marriage. Now, I don't want you to raise your hand, but there's some folks in this here. Don't don't raise your hand. But how many of you have been in relationships before where the person you knew the person that you were in a relationship with? They had you in the place of acquisition. And all they wanted was what they could get out of you. And when they stopped getting out of you what they wanted to get out of you or they had already got out of you what they desired to get out of you. They no longer had the love for you that they had before because you were in a place of acquisition. You can't, you can't put your children in a place of acquisition. You can't put your relationships in a place of acquisition. Because it'll be what can I get out of it? And when you stop getting out of it, what you thought you could get out of it, you'll be done with it. Put the second one up there for me, Brother Gary. Number two, if you wanna write this down, you can is a place of recognition. This is this is um, this place of recognition, power, position. This is something that we, we, we all find ourselves in, and our culture today has put this on blast. We are a culture of recognition. If there's no way that I can get recognition out of this, I don't want to do it. If there's no way that I can get noticed, then I don't want to have anything to do with it. I wonder what it would look like for someone to go on a mission trip nowadays and not bring a camera with them. I'll say that again. I wonder what it would look like for someone to go do evangelism and not bring a camera. That the only recognition that you would get out of it is someone being saved or someone getting something from God. And you would get your recognition from him and not from others. And I know, you know, I'm I, you know, I'm saying that and that's easier said than done. Don't I'm not trying to shock you tonight. I'm not trying to. What I'm trying to get you to do is I'm not I'm, I'm not here to fix you. I'm just here to make you think differently. OK, I just want you to think about things differently. That, that, that's it. I, I'm not I'm not here to try to make myself look like anything or or say things and put myself in a position. Because most of the stuff that I talk about from this pulpit, transparently, I deal with myself. So I'm never in a place of, oh, look at me. I'm so good, good, good. And you're so bad, bad, bad. Don't don't take the pastor that way tonight or don't ever take me that way because I'm a human, too. And I deal with these same concepts. And usually when I'm teaching something that's good to you, it's because God's already rebuked me about it. And and I've already had to go, Lord, (laughs) you're right. And I'm an idiot. And I, I really feel like other people would benefit from this, you know. And so if I'm bringing it to you, it's probably because I've already fought the battle and I'm understanding that I know about the place of recognition. And sometimes I catch myself being like, you know what? Why am I doing this? One, one of the greatest ways to take things out of recognition one of the greatest ways to take systems out of recognition in your life is to go back and check your motives. Just check, you know, why am I doing this? You know, why, you know, and why, why am I not OK with this and I'm OK with that? And, and and when you check your when you check your motives and you got your motives right. Then you understand, you know what? Probably by doing this, I will get recognition, but that's not why I'm doing this. If the recognition comes, so be it. But if not, I'm OK, because I know why I'm doing this. I'm doing this for God, for my family. I don't want to over spiritualize everything either and make it seem like. My got everything I do, I got to do for—I'm doing for Jesus. Sometimes I do stuff to pay my bills. Sometimes I do stuff because I want my wife to recognize me as well. I, and sometimes I do stuff because I want my kids. And I, I'm, it's not just all about God, but I got to understand: if a, a, am I doing it because it's right, or am I doing it because I want recognition? Because if all you desire is recognition, there is nothing more sad than to see someone who is totally geared by recognition and they don't get it, it's like a baby throwing a fit. Yeah. Recognition is the crack of our culture. I'll say it again. Recognition is the deepest, darkest drug of this culture. Why do you think Instagram, Facebook, and YouTube are multi-trillion dollar businesses? Because we desire recognition. I want you to know what I ate today, so I'll take a picture of all of it. And I'm excited. And I check my likes. Man, I didn't get a lot of likes. Let me try, let me try another one. only 150 likes, you know what? Maybe I need to download that new filter. And you're not, you're not, we're just doing it because we want to be recognized. It's okay, it's okay. I'm not trying to shock jock you. I'm not, I'm like, Pastor, they trying to make make me look bad. If you feel bad, then it's probably, you're slipping that shoe on, you just don't even know it yet. <laughs> don't, don't get mad at me. I I'm, I'm trying to make you think differently, that's all. My greatest job as a pastor, if I can make you think differently, if I can just get you, if I can get something in your mind that says, you know what I need, you know, you know, maybe that, maybe that bothered me because I have a problem with that. I heard a preacher say this week, it was so powerful. He said, he said, conviction is to the soul what pain is to the body. Made so much sense. You know. If you're walking around barefooted and you got pain in your feet, it's probably because you're walking on something sharp. You're like, oh, you know what, maybe I need to put some shoes on because that pain reminded me I ain't got no shoes on. And sometimes conviction is to the soul what pain is to the body. You, you feel the pastor says something, you go, oh, that offended me. That's not offense, that's conviction. It's just your soul letting you know, you know what, maybe I maybe I do have a problem in that area. So that's a summary of the last two. Let me finish this tonight with these the third one i want to talk about is sensationalism or sensation putting things into place because of how they make me feel feelings emotion let me talk about the two greatest or the two most detrimental sensations that we can have the first most detrimental sensation you can have is comfort we put things in our life and we put things in a place of sensation because they make us comfortable and if I become uncomfortable I don't want nothing to do with it comfort 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 to the soul comfort to the soul is like cancer to the body. comfort. Let me tell you why God came. He came to make you uncomfortable. He said when you receive power, it's going to give you power to what? To go. Go where? To Judea, to Samaria, To the uttermost parts of the earth. It's going to make you go. It's going to make you go where you do not want to go. Matter of fact, eight years after I die, you idiots will still be here in Jerusalem fighting amongst yourself. And so I will cause great, great distress to come upon the church to push you out of your comfort. Let me say this to you. If you are uncomfortable right now, you're probably doing something right. And if you are just super, super comfortable, like, oh, I love this, then you're probably not really where God wants you to be. Because God is not a God of comfort. Comfort to the soul is like cancer to the body. You will die in your comfort. There will be some comfortable people going to hell, sitting on a pew. Full of the Holy Ghost, baptized in Jesus' name, gonna bust hell wide open, don't collect $200, do not not pass gold, do not collect $200, straight to hell. And because you're comfortable. Don't wanna reach, don't wanna grow, don't wanna move. Comfortability is a disease in the church. Because we don't want people coming in that make us uncomfortable. We don't wanna talk to people that make us uncomfortable. We don't want to cross the aisle for people who make us uncomfortable. We don't want to do ministry because it makes us uncomfortable. We don't want to lead because it makes us uncomfortable. We don't want to grow because it makes us uncomfortable. And comfort is a sensation that will kill your spirit. Do you know? You can read it for yourself. I'm not going to read the whole thing, but, but you can read it for yourself. In Acts chapter 9, there was a man named Ananias. Ananias was a disciple. God speaks to Ananias. He said, Ananias, I want you to go down to the street called Straight. There you're going to meet a man named Saul. And I want you to to take Saul in. I want you to pray for Saul. Ananias says, God, nay, nay. Do you know know Saul? Because I know Saul been killing us by the hundreds and imprisoning your people. And Ananias says, Nevertheless, I'll go. I don't want to go. Being around Saul makes me very uncomfortable. But I'll go. Do, doing, doing what God has called me to do right now is very out of my comfort zone. Why are you calling me? I don't even like this guy. He is a sinner. He's a chief sinner. He's killing us. And you want me to go to him? Look. In his uncomfortability, he goes, OK, I'm, I, I don't like it, but I'll go. This is one of the greatest moments of faith in any Christian's life is when you say, God, I do not like this, but I'm going to do it. Ooh, you see, me and you, we're confused. We think faith is always having a good attitude. No, faith is about obedience. Obedience has always been better than sacrifice, always will be better than sacrifice. And sometimes being obedient, even when you don't want to, the great miracles happen. An objective obedience. That's that's obedience that I don't even want to do, but I'm doing it because you said do it. And I don't like this person, but I'll do it. And the Bible says that when Ananias came in contact with Saul that the scales fell off his eyes and he could see clearly. The only thing that Saul needed to not be blind anymore was contact with someone who didn't even want to be around him. Listen, listen to this. What ministries have not been released upon the earth yet because you're too uncomfortable? As long as Saul did not have contact with Ananias. He would be blind. And Ananias. Who did not have the kind of popularity. That Saul who would become Paul would have. Saul needed Ananias. To touch him. Saul needed Ananias. To put his hands on him. The Bible says in Acts nine seventeen. Ananias went his way, entered into the house, and putting his hands on him, brother Saul, the Lord, even Jesus, that appeared unto thee in the way. He said, brother Saul, the Lord, even Jesus, that appeared to thee in the way, as thou camest, has sent me, that thou mightest receive thy sight, and be filled with the Holy Ghost. And immediately there fell from his eyes, as there had been scales, and he received his sight with, and arose, and was baptized. We want to preach about... Paul, but let me tell you about Ananias, who went and laid hands on a man that he was uncomfortable being around. As long as Ananias was uncomfortable, there was a ministry that was trapped. There's some folks sitting in this room right now. I have made you uncomfortable over the last seven years of your life or four years. or five, How long you been here? I have made you so uncomfortable. With the things that I say, I've made you uncomfortable with the concepts that I preach. I've made you uncomfortable, but it is the will of God for you to be uncomfortable because there are anointings and giftings and power in you that I seek. That you cannot release until you are comfortable being uncomfortable. Somebody say sensation. The sensation of comfort will kill you. The second sensation that is detrimental to the Christian today is pleasure. Luke 8:14, Luke 8:14. My reading tonight, he said that thorny ground was the ground that when they heard it, they go forth. They heard it and they went forth. They heard the word and they went forth. Woo. They heard it and it inspired them. They heard it and they got it. They heard it and they had it. They heard it and they went. And they were choked out with cares, riches, and pleasures of this life. Cares, riches, and pleasures. And they didn't bring forth no fruit to perfection. They brought forth fruit, but it wasn't fit to eat. If you, if you look this up in the scripture, you will see that what it's saying here is that the fruit that they did bring forth, it it wasn't ripe. It was there. It was on the vine, but it wasn't good to eat. It had no benefit. All it was good for was weighing down the branches, but it was not good for consumption. It was fruit, but it wasn't perfect. It wasn't ripe. Because riches and cares and pleasures. This is a sensation in the church today that has drowned out the power of the Holy Ghost among us. Because we are so choked out with cares, riches and pleasures. There's people not here tonight because they're chasing riches. And they want riches so they can have pleasures. Riches are more important than the house of God and the things of God and the calling of God. And they want riches so they can have pleasures. And it will choke you out. They heard the word and they went. They heard it and they they were excited and they went. But along the way, cares, riches and pleasures. Pulled them back. Where you been? I've been working. Why? Now this ain't popular tonight, and I'm 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 hurting feelings already. I feel feelings already hurt. It's fine. I'm 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 the pastor. I'm not your friend. I'm your pastor tonight. It ain't worth your soul. It ain't worth your soul. We've become so enamored with the pleasures of this world. We've become so enamored with the pleasures of this world that we forgot the word of God. The word of God was choked out. The go was choked out. The go forth was choked out because they wanted so much. Cares, riches, and pleasures. Status. Sensation. Sensation. He said in Luke and in Matthew. I don't have time to read it, but read it in Luke 12 and Matthew 6. Luke 12 and Matthew 6, this is what Jesus said. He says, consider, consider the birds of the hair, how beautiful they are. He said, and, and 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 consider the flowers of the field, how arrayed they are. He said, they don't, they don't even consider. They don't even consider it, but they are. As beautiful as Solomon in all of his glory. He said, don't, don't, don't think about what you're going to eat. Don't think about what you're going to wear. Don't think about... He's saying, don't, don't, don't get so caught up in all of that. We, we live in a culture today that's so caught up with status and pleasures... And it's not that it's pleasures, it's that the word, the word and the ministry and the culture and the church, they come second behind the pleasure. See, well, Pastor Chavis, I'm out here busting my tail tonight. I'm, this ain't pleasure. why if the bills are paid then why why is it so important why is it more important than your walk with God you may say well no I I don't really feel that way well your belief and your behavior don't match because your behavior follows your belief Cares, riches, and pleasure, sensation, how I feel, it makes me feel good, makes me feel good, I like it, I like it too, I like it too, but I I grew up, and this is more than just about where I grew up, but but I grew up that church was first, and that everything else was second, and you say, well, well, no, it's not not just church, it's, it's family, you know, and I believe in that, I believe that family is first. I do believe it, but my family is first and my family understands that guys. Hey, listen, church over everything church over school church over sports church over money church over everything because church is where I connect with God and if you don't think that your children equate church with God, you are fooling yourself. And we have dead children because we got dead parents who are connected to what they feel and how it makes me feel and they're not paying attention to what is important. And if you feel convicted right now and you're upset with me, conviction is to the soul what pain is to the body. What's important to you? What should be important to your children? Be in the house of God. Be in the house of God. Pray with your children. Let your children hear you pray. Let your children hear you say, God, touch that person. Touch that. beat. Be. And it might not make you feel all that well, but it's not about sensation. We have those things put in a place that they don't belong. We have given pawns the abilities of queens. We have given pieces on our board more power than what should have power. Last one, and I'm, 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 I'm not far from being done. It's, it's 832. I want to give you a remedy for all of this. Can I, can I give you a remedy? This is the fourth place. And this fourth place is going to give us a remedy for all of this. The fourth place that I put stuff in my life. And there's, there, there's the place of acquisition. There's a place of recognition. And there's the place of sensation. But this final place I'm going to talk about is going to connect all of this. And it's going to be exactly what God wants us to do. The fourth place I want to talk about tonight is kingdom. When I keep the kingdom in front of me, everything else is where it needs to be. In Luke 12, in Luke, in, in Luke 12... I'm sorry, in Luke 8, no, no, I was right, Luke 12 and in Matthew 6, you can go back and read it, I don't have time to read the whole scriptures because it's a lot, in Luke 12 and Matthew 6, when he's talking about the ravens and he's talking about the birds of the air and how they, uh, they, they, don't, even, they don't even worry about what they'll have, he said, take no thought for your life. what you you shall eat, what you shall drink. Don't don't even worry about your body. What you shall put on is not the life more than meat and the body more than raiment. He said, look at the fowls of the air. Look at the ravens. Look at them. Your heavenly father feedeth them. He said, and are you not much better than they? And he said, and and, and which one of you could even add to your height by by your thoughts or your words? He said, "Just, just consider the lilies of the field and the raiment. Consider Consider how they grow. They don't even toil. They they don't even fight. He said, I say unto you that even Solomon in all of his glory was not arrayed like one of these. He said, wherefore, if God so clothed the grass of the field, which today is and tomorrow is cast into the oven, shall he not much more clothe you? He said, you have so little faith. He said, therefore, take no thought, saying, what shall we eat? What shall we drink? Whether shall we be clothed? For after all these things, do the Gentiles seek? He said, that's what the world looks for. The world is worried about all of that. He says, but your heavenly father knoweth what you have need of. Watch verse 33. Verse 33 of Matthew 6. Verse 33 of Matthew 6. He says, but seek ye first the kingdom of God. Of God and his righteousness and all these things, somebody say things, because that's all it is, is things, it's just things, we want things, he said, but if we'll, put the, if we'll put it in the place of kingdom, if we'll put our mind, our thoughts, our energy, our power in the place of kingdom, all the things shall be added unto you. The only way to get everything you want is to be kingdom minded. Let me say it again. The only way to get everything that you want is to keep the kingdom first. When I put it in the place of kingdom, when I place my value on the kingdom. He said in verse 33. In, in, in Matthew 6 and 33, he said, seek the kingdom first and God will give all these things. But in Luke 12 and 33, he said, sell that ye have, give alms, provide yourselves bags, which wax not old, a treasure in the heavens that felleth not, where no thief approacheth, nor moth corrupteth. Watch 34. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Where your treasure is, there your heart will be. I don't have to, I don't have to really think about some folks' heart because I, I see where their treasure is. So I know where their heart is. This is not a message of condemnation. This is a message of conviction for myself as well. Because even I have to check my if some, if I can't figure out where my heart is, all I got to do is look at my treasure. If I really can't find out where my what my heart's feeling, all I got to do is look at my treasure. What do I treasure? What do we treasure most? Time, money, energy—those are my treasures. My children, my family—those are my treasure. If I can just find out where my treasures are, then I know where my heart is. And we keep everything else in front of us except the kingdom. We, if, if I will place my marriage in the place of kingdom, then my everything that my marriage needs will be added. If I will place my, my success and my money and my finances and my job and my career, if I will place it in the place of kingdom, this is for the kingdom, then all the other stuff that I want will be added to me. If I can put my relationships in the place, how does this relationship affect the kingdom? We don't think kingdom because we are selfish and you cannot be kingdom minded and selfish at the same time. When I think of the kingdom, how will this affect the kingdom? How will this affect my relationship with God? How will this affect my anointing? How will this affect my ministry? How will this affect my church? When I think about the kingdom and I keep the kingdom first, everything that I want and need will be added to me. We are so busy working and trying to get to some status and ability and power and position or whatever it may be. And we are so off course because we haven't placed value on the Kingdom we place value on people. we place value on churches. you've placed value on me that you shouldn't place on me. Some of you are you have pastor religion, and you love me more than you love the kingdom. If I fail tomorrow, you would be doomed because your heart is set on me and not on the kingdom. And that's not why I'm here. If that's why I'm here, then I would not even have made that statement that I just made. But your heart can't be set on me. Your heart, if your kingdom is set, if your heart is set on the kingdom, I can come and go. But you're gonna be here, doing what you need to do, operating in the gift you need to operate in, operating in the anointing that you need to work in. If, you're, if your whole life is based around a person, When that person leaves, everything's gone. People say stuff like, I lost everything. No, you didn't. You lost one thing. It may be important to you, but it's really only one thing. And you have so much more out here that adds value to you. But we put it in the place of sensation and Acquisition and recognition and it's not kingdom based You see when I put stuff in king when I when I when I put my focus in the kingdom Stuff can go and come and I'm okay Will it hurt? Absolutely. Will it will it will it will it make me feel a certain way? Absolutely Am I just above it and beyond it? I'm just a a, a robot now and I don't feel absolutely not But I do not lose stride Because I fall by the wayside because I'm focused on the kingdom and not me. I'm focused on the kingdom and not how I feel. I'm focused on the kingdom and not what I can get out of it. I'm focused on the kingdom and not who recognizes me. I'm focused on the kingdom. And when I put things in my life in the place of kingdom, how does this affect the kingdom? Well, this is nice and pretty. I really like this. My ooh, ooh this is nice, and you know. But uh, let me let me judge it by the place of kingdom. Ooh, that does not fit there. I like it. It's nice. Makes me feel all tingly inside. But when I put it in the place of kingdom, I realize I don't need that. No. Oh. oh, he is so fine. He is so good looking. He is the best thing that ever happened to me. But you know what? Let me take him and put him in the place of kingdom. Can I still do my ministry and be connected with him? Can I still live for God and still be connected? Can I still have my anointing and be connected? He don't fit the kingdom, so let me. Oh, this job is so nice. Pastor, it's so much money. I can't even tell you. I'm going to have some new shoes by the end of the week. It's so good. I I like the people that work there. Oh, I got so much. I couldn't even cash the check. The bank wouldn't even take it. Said we don't take checks that big. It's so good. I love it. But you know what? Before I... Put all my eggs in this basket. Let me put it in the place of kingdom. Mm, you know what? It's going to make me miss all kind of church. I'm not going to be able to be there for that. I, you know what? It's going to take me away from my family. It, you, know, it, you know what? I, I love it, but you know, it can't be. Oh, is anybody seeing what I'm preaching about tonight? Anybody getting what I'm talking right now? Anybody getting, oh, you know, this, this opportunity, Pastor Chavis, this opportunity is unbelievable. You're not going to believe this opportunity. It's the most unbelievable I've ever received in my life. It's unbelievable. And it's just great, fantastic. You, you wouldn't even believe it. It's, it's too much to even tell you about tonight. And it's so good. But when I put it in the place of kingdom and I realize, oh, man, it's going to, I don't think I can follow the call and do that opportunity. You know what happens when you do that? What, those things that you want. God said, I didn't say it. God said. I didn't make this up. God said if you will put it in the kingdom place and you'll keep it in the right place in the kingdom. He said, I will add all those things that you wanted. I'll find a way to add them to you. And one day you realize, wait a minute. I turned down all those things. I turned down all those people. I turned down him. I turned down her. I turned down them. I turned down the checks. I turned down the recognition. I turned down the sensation. I turned down the acquisition. But somehow, I still got everything I ever wanted. And you know what? I realized I got things that I didn't even know I wanted till I had them. I didn't even know I wanted it until I got it and I realized, man, I can't live without it. (laughs) Hallelujah. Every, Every once in a while, we all need a man of God to stand before us and say, hey, it don't fit. It's costing you too much. It's costing you too much. You got more money in your bank account, but you left your calling on the wayside. You got more zeros in your bank account, but you you lost your anointing. You You got better status, but you lost your prayer life. You know what? You may feel great. You may feel fantastic. But what you can't see that the man of God can see is that you walked away from your first love. And you are neither hot or cold. And because you are lukewarm, God vomits you out of his mouth. Because you can't be nailed down to nothing. When I put it in the kingdom place, I go, yep, I need to get it right. I see. I see. When I see how it affects the kingdom... When I see how it affects my ministry, when I see how it affects the anointing, I see how it affects my family. When I see how it affects my church, I see how it affects. I, I realize that I want it so bad, but it doesn't fit the kingdom vision God has for me. So I'll move it out of the way. And I'll keep the kingdom in front of me. And everything that I desire in my heart, God said, God said, you don't even know what you want. and You don't even know what you need. I know what you need. More and better than you do. And you wake up one morning and have everything that you didn't even know that you really wanted, but you have it. Why? Because I kept the kingdom first. Kingdom First. Kingdom First made my father turn down a position as an engineer at the Rose Group of Fayetteville, North Carolina. $50,000 sign and bonus and a house. He turned it down for 30 people in a raggedy church in Spring Lake. He turned it down. He said, no. He said, because I know that if I take this job as an engineer with this firm, I I won't have time to build this church. That was his kingdom-mindedness. And you know what happened in his kingdom-mindedness? We lived in the backside of a thrift shop, which is a barber shop now. We didn't live, we had a space Our whole house was the size of that baptismal room. Under our kitchen table was a hole in the floor. I remember nights for dinner, we would have bread and peanut butter with maple syrup in it. My mom would just mix it up. That would be dinner. For fun, me and my oldest brother and my dad would turn the oven light on in the kitchen. My dad would leave crumbs of bread out. We would lay in, in the kitchen. We would lay in the living room with our BB guns up on pillows and we would shoot the rats when they came out for fun. True story. I stood in the welfare line with my mother and got cheese that was hard as a rock and peanut butter that you could mortar bricks with and they would still be there today. The Leaning Tower of Pisa is held up with that peanut butter. Because my dad said it don't fit the kingdom vision that I have. In the early '80s, 80, in the early '80s, 50,000 dollars, signing bonus, and then 50 grand a year, in the early '80s, maybe I take that today. In the early '80s, though, He turned it down because it didn't fit the kingdom vision that he had. But all three of his boys are doing ministry right now. He, he, he's not worried about where they are. All three of them right now are doing ministry. He has an amazing house. An amazing house. He owns about 17 or 18 acres of land. And, and, and right now, with the way that Spring Lake is growing, he's, about to, he's probably going to sell that land in the next 10 years and not have to work another day of his life. He is in prime location. He has an amazing church of over 250 people. Because he said, you know what? I put that in the kingdom place. and It didn't match up with what I saw God tell me. And so I'll sacrifice. My kids will sacrifice. My family will sacrifice. Because I want to do what God called me to do. And there, I, I could probably have people in this audience stand and tell me about sacrifices they made. I could have the shorters here stand up and tell me about sacrifices they made to start churches. And win people to the Lord and struggle to make ends meet and pay bills. I could have people in this room stand and talk about how, you know what, we turned things down because it didn't fit the kingdom For us, there's testimonies in this room of people that have walked away from things that would have been great acquisitionally, great sensationally, they would have been great recognitionally, but they didn't fit the kingdom. So they walked away from them. And they'll stand and testify I don't have no regrets. Everything that I ever wanted, I find in my hands today. God has a way of blessing you with stuff that you didn't even know you wanted to be blessed with. And you look up and go, wow, look what the Lord has done. I didn't even ask for all this, but here it is because I gave up. Because it didn't fit the kingdom plan for me. Would you stand with me tonight? Nights, nights like this will be the nights that I stay up at night hoping I didn't hurt nobody's feelings. I can't apologize for the word. I apologize for any attitude that I have, but I can't apologize for the word of God. And I can't apologize for what the Lord's been dealing with me about. There's a call back to kingdom. There's a call back to sacrifice. There's a call back to obedience. There's a call back from the Lord saying, hey, I'm doing something in this last day And what I need from my church is for them to put things in the place of kingdom and examine them. And if they don't fit, cut them out. And if they do fit, go forward. I just pray tonight that. That you see it as conviction and not condemnation. That we change. We live in a society today where we've called. Instead of saying I'm convicted, we say I'm offended. But God did not call me to offend. He called me to convict. He did not call me to condemn. He called me to convict. And tonight, I hope that I've convicted you. Because if I haven't, that's fine. I convicted me tonight. The word of God has convicted me. No good swordsman can become a good swordsman without getting cut. This word has cut me tonight. And I need to take a step back and look at all my stuff, the busyness of my life, and say, what's kingdom and what's not? What's acquisition? What's recognition? What's sensationalism? I take an inventory of my world and say, you know what? I have given this pawn the power of the king, and it doesn't belong. I've given this stuff in my life so much authority. And really, in the grand scheme of the kingdom, it is nothing. Move it off my board. Get the board back in line. Make sure that I'm within the parameters and the dimensions and the solidarity and the simplicity of what God wants to do in my life and in your life. Lord, I thank you for your word tonight. Tonight. I pray this word was an encouragement to you today. Thank you again for tuning in to Truth Chapel's podcast. If you have not yet, please take a moment and leave us a quick review. God bless and have a great rest of your day.